Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, I must have killed more men than Cecil B. DeMille. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, a, a sad week to lose the Waco kid. But, uh, you know, hey, if it gives you an excuse to watch Blazing Saddles, then it's, then it's good. Yes, sir. Uh, losing Gene Wilder is tough, especially in Milwaukee, where he grew up. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. But... That doesn't mean that we have to treat the week as a downer because it's the start of college football season for real, with apologies to Cal in Hawaii. Indeed, indeed. Uh, it was a nice little warm-up course there last Friday night, but yeah, this is, uh, this is a good week one. I mean, ESPN would have you believe it's the greatest week one ever, and I, maybe it is, I don't know, uh, but it's, it's certainly exciting. Well, Matt, earlier you told me the the games you were DVRing this weekend to make sure you could see all of them, and I think That's right. I think what we should do is just go through the games you're DVRing and give our thoughts and quick picks on those. Okay, okay, sounds good. Well, starts with, and this probably isn't a, a tremendous contest, but Kansas State Stanford Friday night, um, maybe the only game Thursday or Friday where a ranked team is sort of playing a a top quality opponent, um, K-State not ranked, but dangerous as they always are. So we'll jump in with that one. Well, it's going to be our first chance to look at Christian McCaffrey Heisman Trophy front runner, which yes. is a different way to enter the season than last year where everyone, you know, McCaffrey's got the pedigree, he's got the father who played in the NFL, but he, I, I, he, it's not that he was under the radar, but he certainly wasn't on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, he, he kind of, you know, burst on the scene as the year went along last year. And, I mean, they got out to a, a rough start in general. That loss to Northwestern pretty much haunted them all year. Um, you know, they always kind of were behind the eight ball with that loss, and that probably was the difference in them not making the playoffs. So, um, yeah, but, you know, he, he's the man. Um, new quarterback there. Uh, apparently they're going to play both to start out at least, so that's that's going to be interesting. But, I, you know, I'm picking Stanford in this. It's at Stanford. Uh, I mean, like I said, K-State's always a team that you don't you don't sleep on because of Bill Snyder and his history against good teams. And over a long period of time, he's done it. But, uh, you know, if it was at Manhattan, I might think possible upset. At Stanford, I don't. I agree with you. I think this is a good way to break in some new faces, especially at the quarterback position for Stanford. But I think they're going to ultimately pull this out. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone might be focusing on McCaffrey, but you still have to stop him, and I'm just not sure K-State has the ability to do that. Exactly, yeah. And they've got other running backs that are talented, and, and you know, and you know they play good defense. They always do. I mean, it's not a, it's not a one-trick pony. Uh, you know, McCaffrey is, is going to be the focal point. But, uh, you know, my curiosity is what's the balance and how they play the two quarterbacks? Uh, does one kind of emerge over the other as the early season goes? I was surprised Burns – won the job I you know we talked about this last time I think we both thought it would be Chris um Burns is going to start apparently so it, it'll be interesting to see because they they uh they don't ask their quarterback to throw it a ton but they do ask their quarterback to to do a lot at the line of scrimmage and so it'll be interesting to see how that adjusts and, and if they settle in with one or continue with two as the year goes I'm curious to see that too. Obviously, later we're going to talk about the ASU quarterback situation, but yeah, when when you look at a team that has at least right now national title hopes, definitely conference title hopes, you have to think that at some point Shaw's going to want to settle on one guy. Yeah, you think so, and and you know his his history is to favor 
the upperclassmen. Uh, remember, you know, after after Luck left, they started Josh Nunes for I think maybe seven or eight games and kind of struggled with him before they finally turned it over to Hogan. And you know, Burns is the guy with one extra year of experience. You wonder if that's just the the difference. So like we talked about with ASU last week and other teams. You know, a lot of times I think coaches just look at the years and say, well, this guy's more safer pick. And it didn't work for Stanford that year. They turned it around and Hogan had him on a hot finish and they ended up playing well by the end of that year. But I'm curious if the same type of thing will happen this year or if, if maybe Burns really has earned the job and kind of surprised people by doing so. Yeah, it really makes you wonder if Stanford took that Hogan experience and learned a lesson, you know, instead of just going with the more veteran quarterback and saying it's his job, you know, they've already opened the door to letting the younger guy play some. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the interesting part is Chris beat out Burns last year for the backup job. So he kind of figured he he had the, the, you know, the leg up. Shaw says, you know, I read his comments, basically said, hey, you know, Chris earned the job last year and Burns has earned the job this year, you know, so you you have to respect that if he indeed looked at it as a true competition because – a lot of coaches, I think they say that, but they kind of already have in mind what they want to do. And, and maybe he really gave both guys a, a fair shake, and, and maybe Burns just proved to be slightly the better guy so far, at least. All right, you say Stanford, I say Stanford. I think yeah. everyone says Stanford. And I, yeah. that takes us to, I believe, the most exciting day, college yes. football Saturday. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and and starts off right away. You know, a, a nine a.m. Pacific time kick with Oklahoma and Houston. A big game. Uh, you know, very. You know, a game that could have implications all year long. Yeah, this is the one that in our season preview we both flagged as Oklahoma sort of taking a big risk here. They're go- you know they're making a trip to Houston. Yeah. Houston is a program on the rise. They are probably the only non-power five team that has a shot at cracking you, into the playoffs. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you never know, obviously, but certainly, you know, their ranking in the preseason gives them a chance. Uh, and, and this game is really the the money for them. I mean, they, if they win this game, they probably shoot into the top ten and, and they put themselves on the radar, you know, all year if they keep winning. Yeah, they get to play the waiting game really after this because if they yeah. win, they're going to be the favorite the rest of the way. They'll be a top 10 team, and they just need to hope enough Power 5 teams yeah. lose around yeah. them. It's a lot like the Boise team from several years back with Kellen Moore, and they opened at Virginia Tech, and, and they won that game, and it kind of they just kind of sat around. It seemed like, I mean, they, they played games throughout the year, but it, it was like just a waiting game, as you said. I think they ended up losing late in that year to Nevada. That might have been the year they lost that game. But they, they were right there with a chance. Um, and this Houston team kind of feels that same way. All of that being said, all of the nice things we've said about Houston, I'm thinking that they are not going to be able to pull off the upset here. And I, and I do think it's an upset. I think that there's a class ahead of them at, oh, at Oklahoma. Oh, it would be, sure. I mean, look, Oklahoma's preseason top five, and they made the playoff last year, and they're Oklahoma. I mean, you know, like just – just the the name on the jersey means they're they're a you know a favorite in most every game they play. Um, you do, uh, you know, I, I was going to say you do have to think that there are a lot of kids at Houston who got passed over by Oklahoma and Texas yeah, and would love yeah. to get this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious, uh, you know, not knowing a ton about Houston, um, I don't know how much they lost from last year. I mean, obviously everybody loses some. You wonder, you know, how much of 
of that carries over. They got the quarterback back. They kept their head coach, which surprised some people that he didn't go elsewhere. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's hard to ultimately pick them. I want to. You know, I'm not an Oklahoma fan, and I don't have Oklahoma winning the Big 12. But I think, uh, you know, it seems like the pattern with Oklahoma is they don't lose the games like this. They lose the games that you don't think they have any chance of losing. Yeah. Those are the, one, those are the ones that sneak up and surprise you every year with them. The, the bigger games early season, they seem to win. Yeah, when it's Iowa State or Kansas right. or something. Then or you have Texas to... last year when Texas was struggling. I mean, it seems like they, they lose games that, you know, you, you think going into the week they had no chance to lose, and then they do. Um, this one's tricky. I mean, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm curious if, if Houston can give them trouble, but I just think, uh, my, you know, I'd probably favor Oklahoma. I favor Oklahoma as well, and that moves us to the the mid afternoon time slot on the East Coast, the the lunchtime yep. out in Arizona. Yep. Now, couple, go couple ahead. Of games in that window. Who do you want to start with? Uh, we can do LSU Wisconsin. Oh, the Lambeau Field game. Yeah, <laughs> game day there. I was kind of surprised by that, but I like the spot. I think it's interesting that Les Miles comes out and makes a statement that I've told my players no Lambo <laughs> leaps. Now, yeah. LSU's defense has been the story, and I assume Fournette will score, but it's not like their offense is going to have a lot of trips to the end zone where they need to worry about that if history is any indicator. No, that's true. That's true. I mean, I I think if I'm remembering, did you pick LSU to make the playoff or, or not? I was all about Fournette. I did not pick okay. them to make the playoffs, but I was all about Fournette. Okay. I know, you know, I've heard some people picking them. I didn't. I'm starting to believe in them more. Um, that the defense, which if I'm if I'm remembering right, their defensive coordinator is the guy who was at Wisconsin last year. I think that's Dave true. Dave Aranda, who yeah. I, who is an up and coming star, it seems like, and I think that's going to really help them because their defense has kind of been hit or miss the last few years since that 2011 team where they were so good with you know, Tyron Matthew and all those guys, um, you know, they've, they've been inconsistent the last, uh, few years, but I think, I think that guy's really going to pay dividends for him and make that defense really good. And on the offensive side of the ball, they have Fournette and that's yeah. really, uh, and they got good receivers and, you know, I mean, the, the, the question with them is what is Brandon Harris? You know, can he, he's only, he's only a junior, you know, it's, it feels like he's been disappointing for a long time, but I mean, he's only a true junior, so so he's still got time to you know grow into the player he's supposed to be. Yeah, and for Wisconsin, they're starting at quarterback Bart Houston, who it's a great story. He's named for Bart Starr, and he's getting to play at Lambeau. I, I still don't think that's enough to win. I don't either. I mean, this this is a game that, you know, obviously it wouldn't be played at that time of year, but if it was played in November, I might think, you know, causes LSU some trouble. But, I, I mean, not knowing for sure the weather, you probably know it better than me, I, you know, I wouldn't imagine it's going to be an issue, and, and I just think LSU is too fast, too athletic, too everything to, to lose this game. It's supposed to be sunny and in the low 70s. and Yeah, so not a big factor. Different place, um, you know, and, and is it really – I mean, obviously there will be a lot of Wisconsin fans, but it doesn't bring the home field advantage that playing it at Camp Randall would. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going LSU in that one. Well, and think about it, if you're an LSU fan and, you want, and you're just a football fan, that it's kind of a nice way to get to see Lambeau. Without with, a doubt, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and that, that has a fan base that travels everywhere. I mean, they're, 
they're rabid down there. It's all about LSU football 12 months a year. And so, yeah, they're going to have plenty of people uh, there to support them too, I'm sure. So you've got them. Uh, you've got the Tigers. I've got the Tigers. Which I do, will, yeah. not, will not make me popular at work, but luckily no one's <laughs> listening anyway. We'll see. We'll see. So where else are you DVRing? Uh, the other game in that window I know is UCLA, Texas A&M. Now, Greg Powell is a friend of ours, and Greg Powell listens to our podcast. He's like the yeah, only right. person who does. Okay. And what he said in a, in a tweet to us was, Josh Rosen should be worried about 105,000 screaming people. He, <laughs> he won't be worried. Like, let's be clear, he uh, no, won't I be. Read his, I read his quotes, and, and uh, I read his clarification that he said, uh, basically, you can't hear anyway, so it doesn't really make a difference. I think it's a little overplayed, but that's going to be him. He's kind of set the target on his back, and, and uh, you know, as he continues to talk and, you know, say things that are on his mind, he's going to feel the, the wrath of people. Um, I don't think that's really that big of an issue, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm sure it'll get people fired up, and you know, but I think they were going to be fired up anyway. Yeah, I mean, you've got the, the offensive coordinator intrigue, with Mazzoni, yeah. but yeah, um, really, I think what's going to be most interesting is seeing who plays quarterback at Texas A and M after they lose Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray, yeah, who both start, I mean, who both played in Week One last year against ASU. That's right, that's right. You know, and apparently it's going to be Trevor Knight, the Oklahoma transfer. Um, he, you know, he was the, one of the few big schools they named their starter after spring rather than draw it out. Um, you know, he kind of gives them at least a one year saving grace from that Murray Allen debacle gives them a guy who has started and has experience was, was wildly inconsistent at Oklahoma had some ups real high ups and some pretty high low downs. And I mean, he had uh, high ups. Katie Perry wanted to date him. You don't get did. higher he up did. than that. You know, yeah. And he, you know, he went in and, and took apart, you know, Nick Saban's defense. Not a lot of quarterbacks can say they've done that, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know long-term if that will work out. I think I'm going to surprise you a little. I'm picking Texas A&M to win this game as much as I'm high on Rosen and UCLA. I'm shocked by that. I I was about to tell you that I think that the way Texas A&M wins this game is if Miles Garrett lives in the backfield, which he could. Yeah, he could. Yeah. yeah. I, well, and, and I, what I'm going off of, quite honestly, is, first of all, it's, it's a home game for them, and that makes a difference. But – the other aspect is they have started the season great the last two years. Now, they haven't sustained it, but we saw it last year, you know, up close and personal with ASU. And, and remember two years ago, they came out and blitzed South Carolina on the opening Thursday night at Kenny Hill getting Heisman talk and on and on and on. And both seasons, you know, they went off the rails as the year wore along. But I think, you know, that's one thing that they've done consistently is start out well. Um, and I just think it's a tough environment for UCLA to go into and win. But it's a, it's a chance for old Rosen to make a big statement. I mean, he, he's not really getting a lot of Heisman talk with all the guys back from last year's race, but he goes in and plays well and they win. He throws himself right into that mix right away, I think. Yeah, I mean, this feels like the sort of game where they, you know someone's had all the time in the world to prep for this. Jim Mora in an interview said that they're going to put a tight end on on Miles Garrett's side yeah. to chip. They're going to use a back to chip. But you know what? 
there, there's no chipping him. The guy could be the number one pick in He's the draft. He's really good. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they've got other good players on defense, too. It's not like you can, you know, totally focus on him and, and ignore everyone else. I mean, it's, a, it's an improved defense. They're, you know, they're well coached. Uh, you know, going back to the previous team we talked about, LSU, they have their old coordinator, and and uh, he's a good coach. I mean, he he's had success everywhere in the SEC, and uh, so that's that's a little more solid for them. It's surprising that the offense is the question, but it's become that way. Um, and the, and the head coach obviously goes along with that too. So I don't know that it will mean anything. I guess I, I guess I'll say that I think Texas A and M wins the game, and I think by the end of the year we might look back and think. Man, how did Texas A&M win that game when UCLA is ten and two and Texas A&M is six and six? Yeah, I'm going to take UCLA. I I'm afraid of Christian Kirk. I'm afraid of Miles Garrett, but I'm not afraid of Trevor Knight. And I just think that 105,000 people can be tough to play, but not when they're all quiet. If you're up by 14, that's early. true. That is true. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I'll I'll be rooting for UCLA. Uh, you know, I you know I'm a Rosen guy firmly in that camp uh but i just uh ultimately it's hard for me to pick them on the road yeah now let me guess your next game is georgia unc that is correct the uh 230 pacific sandwich time it's the first game for head coach kirby smart that's exciting you know yep. as a as a alabama or really nick saban <laughs> supporter <laughs> yes. I, I appreciate anyone from his coaching tree who moves. And obviously, as we talked about in our preview, Smart waited until the right job. He's got the Georgia yeah. job. Yeah, his alma mater. So it can't beat that. Yeah. And, that, you know, it's going to be an interesting game. you got the return of Nick Chubb from that serious, yeah. serious knee injury last season. Yeah. And you've got Smart trying to install a defense with a, a very talented Georgia team. But – North Carolina's not a team to sleep on. No, agreed. I, to me, this is the toughest pick of all of them. Um, you know, I, the rest I can kind of favor one team over the other slightly for certain reasons. This this one's tough because I, I just don't think you know what you're going to get with Georgia. Who's going to play quarterback? Are they going to play two? Um, you know, how how much are they, you know, supposedly Chubb is full go, clear, um, but will that prove to be the case when they're actually out there? Is he up for 30 carries? Um, and North Carolina is a good team. I mean, they, they were vastly improved on defense last year, and, and their offense is high-powered, and they, you know, they have a new quarterback, but he played last year, and he played well when he got the chance to play. So it's not like they're breaking in a, a new guy. I mean, I tend to favor Georgia, but that I think in some ways is simply because it's Georgia compared to North Carolina, and you associate Georgia football as being better but on paper i mean if you look at at the teams themselves it's probably north carolina looks better at this point if it's eason i'm excited if it's lambert i'm not either yeah, exactly. way <laughs> either way yeah. i like i like trubisky he's got six touchdowns already in his career he like you said he's not a quarterback who's coming out of nowhere no no i mean he was neck and neck with marquise williams last year coming out of out of fall and and you know even played some when williams struggled early in the year um so he's he's got experience i'm i'm completely with you i mean i and i think a lot of georgia fans are too they they want to see the kid you know lambert is is sort of represents the the known quantity he played last year and he you know he played okay and they had a decent season and you know it wasn't like he was terrible but there's not a whole lot exciting about him, whereas Eason represents 
the great hope for the future, the number one quarterback in the country and the big arm and all of that that goes along with that. So, I mean, yeah, I want to see Eason, and I think we will. It just, I guess the question is, do we see him for a series or two, or do we see him for starting off the game and playing the whole game? I think that he's going to play a lot, but I'm taking North Carolina when it's a you know when it's a young quarterback making his first appearance. You have to wonder what he's going to do against you know really solid competition with North a Carolina. A good defense, yeah, and, and you know I mean Gene Chizik gets a lot of he gets a lot of guff for the mess that ended up happening at Auburn and probably deservedly you know he won that one title and then they just fell off completely but the guy is a good defensive coach he was the he was the coordinator and really turned things around there last year he was the coordinator at texas when they won the national championship so the the guy knows how to coach defense i think he was the coordinator at auburn when they had that undefeated season too in 04 um so he's good and uh, yeah i mean i'm going to probably go against what I'm saying and I'm going to take Georgia. It's at the Georgia Dome. That plays into it. I think they'll have a, a big, you know, it's, it's obviously it's not home field, but it will feel like home field for them. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm high on Eason. And I know that's dangerous to be high on a true freshman because you know, every true freshman lays an egg or two, especially early on. Um, but I think if he gets the chance to play, he'll show why he was as highly regarded as he was. You've got Georgia. I've got North Carolina. Let's move on now. I assume you want to talk about this USC game. Yes, USC-Alabama. I I think the only time you'll hear me not just lean all in on Alabama is by calling it the USC game because otherwise <laughs> I think it's going to be all Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm picking Alabama. Uh, I, think, I think their defense is going to be – really really good from the from the start i mean they got guys back from last year's team that you would have thought would go to the nfl and they didn't uh, probably could have been first round picks or certainly day two picks um you know so they're they're going to be really good the, the offense i think will have some growing pains early as it's had the last few years they're breaking in a new quarterback maybe playing a couple to start the year which is similar to what they've done the last few seasons um, there's no Derrick Henry to rely on, so they'll they'll you know mix and match running back probably, and they might have some bumps, uh, but I just think their defense is going to be so good, and they're always prepared for these games with long, long times to prepare. It's really hard to beat them, um, and you know, gosh, when it comes down to it, Nick Saban, Clay Helton, tough to pick against Nick Saban in that matchup. Alabama has four potential first rounders on defense. This yeah. year with Marlon yeah. Humphrey at corner, Jonathan Allen at defensive end, and, and the linebackers, Tim Williams and Ruben Tim Foster. Williams. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, USC's got speed. They got speed for days. Yeah. And they've got five star recruits. They're out of the penalty box on the scholarships. Right. Right. I think Juju Smith Schuster's great. I think Adoree Jackson is special. I think Ronald yeah. Jones will be special. I don't think that that matters. I just think Alabama. I'm not sure that it does. No, I mean, I you know, I, I hate, and this is you know, we've talked about this. I, you know, I just think there's a lot on Max Brown. I mean, if Max Brown comes out and he you know sets the world on fire like Jameis Winston did in his first start, where he comes out and he just looks like my God right away, this guy's amazing. They have a chance, but but aside from that, you know, an average game from him is not going to be close to enough. He's got to be great. Well, we're both taking Alabama, so I don't even want to know 
what you think the score will be. I want to know how quickly pregame or into the game they mentioned the fact that Lane Kiffin, the offensive coordinator at Alabama, <laughs> used to coach at USC. Oh, pregame. I mean, that, that's that's an easy story, uh, you know. And and it's a, I mean, it's a, you know, sort of like Mazzoni coming from UCLA. I mean, he he brought in a fair amount of these guys. He brought in Max Brown. You know, Max Brown signed to play for Lane Kiffin. Hard to believe because he's now on his third head coach there. But, you know, he's the one who brought him in. So, yeah, I mean, it's a story. Um, and, you know, Lane Kiffin's always a story. Uh, but you have to give the guy credit. He's done really good things with that offense the last two years with new quarterbacks both years. Um, he's, he's managed to get the most out of them. I don't know who it's going to be this year, but you have to trust that he'll find a way to get the most out of them again. I don't know if he's a great head coach. His record in that department certainly doesn't say he is, but you know he's done very well coaching that offense, and you know rehabbed his career a little bit at least. So we both have Alabama. I think I, I don't know if Lane Kiffin gets another head coaching job at an elite level right away, but no, I, no, I agree. He'll I think to, he's going to have a long career just like his father as a coordinator. However long yeah. he wants to coach offense, he'll get to. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. So I think other than the ASU game, that wraps up the stuff to talk about for Saturday. Moving okay, quickly, I'm going to go. I'm going to say Clemson Auburn. I think is a Clemson pretty easy win. That's that's why I didn't want to talk about it. I, okay. This is a this is a game where you get to keep making your Heisman case if you're on the Clemson offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because it's on the road at an SEC school. And, and you don't, you know, and, and Auburn, you know, it's so inconsistent. I mean, they, you know, they've been to two championship games in the last six years, and then they've had some real clunker seasons in there, too. Um, but I just think Clemson's too good. I think that offense is going to be so good and, you know, maybe the best in the country. I mean, Deshaun Watson was third in the Heisman last year. He's back. Yeah. Wayne Gallman, 1,500-yard rusher, yep. is back. Wide receiver Mike Williams, back. He missed all year. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were good without him. He, You know, he got hurt in the opening game and missed the whole season, and he's back. Jordan Leggett's back. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're going to be really good. They got some defensive concerns that could be an issue at, at some point this year, but that offense, I just think it's built to outscore so many teams, and, uh, you know, uh, Auburn's offense is such a question mark. Uh, I think they really wanted – somebody else to win the quarterback job besides one of the returners but it didn't happen it's Sean White that got the job and, uh, they were so inconsistent last year it's hard to see them turning it around enough to beat Clemson I, I think this is a route I think this is going to be one of those games where the the folks at Jordan Hare are not happy by half no, time and no I agree yeah it could be a year of unrest there I mean if they get off to a bumpy start and and you know they don't beat any of the marquee opponents that they play you know, Gus Malzahn, as much as he was uh, praised three years ago, they'll be ready to ride him out of town, too. All right, so we're both we're both in on a Clemson win. Which, yeah. Which brings us to Notre Dame, Texas, yep. Sunday night. National uh, stage just for that game. I think this could be one of the better games of the weekend, at least early. But I don't think that it stays close because I just think Notre Dame – is too talented. That offense is too good, and not at, like not to a Nick Saban level. But you give Brian Kelly months to prepare for a team, and he'll be ready. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, uh, 
you know, I like both of these teams, so I follow them both closely. And, um, you know, several months ago, I thought this was an easy Notre Dame win. And I've, I've heard a lot of people picking Texas. And it's, it's been enough to the point where I'm thinking, boy, am I missing something about Texas? Is there, is there something there that I should be more up on them? Um, no. I, I, I mean, I really do like Bouchelle, the, true, the freshman. I think he's going to start. And Charlie Strong's being very mysterious about it. But uh, they know what they've got in Tyrone Swoops, and they know they don't have a starting quarterback. He's, he's a nice situational guy for running packages. That's it. You got to give the reins to Bouchelle and let him, let him be the guy, um, uh, you know. And it's at Texas, and you figure they're going to be up for the game. And you know, I, I do think they're on the way back, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, and and I just think, you know, I have Notre Dame in the playoffs, so I obviously fairly high on them, and it's it's hard for me to pick against them in that game. The one thing that I think is going to be intriguing about Notre Dame is they're trying the two quarterback system. And it sounds like Brian Kelly is committed to a two-quarterback system. He's not going to play one guy more than the other unless there's yeah. a hot hand. He's he's yeah. not. It's not like before with Golson and Reese where he said, no, Golson's our starter, and we just bring in Reese right. when we need it. Right. No, I agree. I mean, you know, the the interesting thing about them is they are similar. So it's it's not a situation where you're bringing in, you know, Tim Tebow off the bench to spell Chris Leak in running situations or – just like what I said with Texas, they're going to probably do that with swoops. Um, but they're similar players. They've both been starters. And, and so I don't think it's fair to either one of them to say, well, you're just going to be a situational guy. If you're going to play both, then, then play both. And, you know, they're going to be under the microscope for it. People will be waiting for them to struggle with it and say, I told you so. doesn't work. Um, but, you know, I said this last time we talked. I think it might work. I think this might be the recipe to have it work, and I'm I'm very curious how it will develop. I I think Notre Dame wins this game. I think that this game is nothing more than a good test and a good way to figure out how this two quarterback system works in actual game action. Yeah, yeah, and and you, they don't play very many true road games this year. I think they only play three or four legit road games because they play a couple neutral side games. So. So this is this is an early test. If they get by it, you know the schedule opens up for them a little bit. I mean they don't they don't have as hard a schedule as they had last year at all. Um, and and you know aside from USC, I think at the end of the year, this is really their toughest road test. And USC might not be that tough a test when it comes down to it. We don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean this this is an opportunity for them. If they get this win, things start to open up a little bit. Well, it sounds like you're taking Notre Dame. I'm taking Notre Dame. I am, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, a little more hesitant, maybe just from listening to too many people talk about it. Uh, because really, you know, several weeks, months ago, I looked at this game and thought, you know, okay, yeah, I mean, they, they blew the doors off of Texas last year in the opener, and I kind of thought they'd do the same. Um, Texas, I think, is better. It's at home, so, it, you know, I don't think it'll be 38-3 to or whatever it was last year. But I think they're still significantly better than texas and that takes us to the final game of opening weekend labor day night ole miss florida state from the citrus bowl or i'm yeah, sorry really the, the camping world stadium camping world stadium exactly yeah yeah the uh the newly renovated citrus bowl who's uh you know putting itself on the radar now um but a good game yeah i mean i'm i'm excited to watch it i'm very excited to see the the deandre francois from Florida State and see how he plays. He's getting a, a lot of 
a lot of buzz, a lot of good things coming out of the camp about him. And um, I watched him play in the spring game of theirs, and he looked really good. And, uh, you know, if they if they have the quarterback that can kind of spark things even in a similar way to Winston, man, they got everything else. They got Delvin Cook. They got a lot back. They got, I mean, they got a ton of starters back from last year. So if the quarterback works out, they're as dangerous as anybody in the country, I think. Dalvin Cook, less than 1,300 yards away from breaking work, Dunn's record yeah, for a yeah, career I mean, at Florida State. Really, really good player and, and uh, you know, was hurt most of last year and still put up big numbers. So if he can, if he can stay healthier, uh, you know, very – and again, they didn't have much of a passing game last year. Golson struggled. They put McGuire in. He played okay, but he was, he was kind of, you know, average for the most part. He had one big game, I think, against Syracuse besides that. Wasn't great. Um, so if Francois gives them a, a playmaking ability that they didn't have last year, they got everything else. I mean, they you know they are loaded at every other spot. Francois gives them the unknown, and on the other side, Ole Miss has a very known Chad yeah. Kelly at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. You know who's who's got a ton. I mean, they got a lot of receivers back. They lose Treadwell, but they got other guys. They got Evan Ingram, who's probably one of the better tight ends in the country. Um, but you know Kelly's Kelly's a little uh, what's what's the term? He's kind of kind of that gunslinger type. He he'll he'll throw you into the game and he might throw you out of the game too. He's a gamer though. He's a guy who yes. shows up. He plays hard. He leaves it on the field. I like oh, yeah. him. Oh yeah, I do too. <laughs> I, I do too. But he he takes some risks. He's a guy who you know he's gonna he's gonna sling it around and he he might put the ball in jeopardy three or four times and it's just a matter of do you take advantage of those. Yeah, if you liked watching Brett Favre or you like roller coasters, you'll like yeah. watching Kelly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember last year when they beat Alabama and, and somebody, can't remember who it was, somebody, you know, was making a joke on Twitter like, you know, Chad Kelly is just good enough to get a GM fired in a couple of years. <laughs> Very true. Which he might be. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's tantalizing. You look at him, he can, he can throw it, you know, he can run. He, you know, he's got all the talent. He's got the bloodlines. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, but you know, you wonder, and he's got some, he's got some background question marks too. So you wonder if, if he'll be a, a lightning rod as time goes on. Um, but he's got to be a stabilizing force for them. I mean, they're, they're under fire with the NCAA and all that. And, and, you know, so this is, you know, they're, they're going to lean on Chad Kelly to be kind of a veteran leader this year. I was going to say background question sounds like it should be the motto for that Ole Miss program. They're, yeah. They're obviously yeah. <laughs> still, this is their first nationally uh, televised exposure after the NFL draft incidents Larry with Tunsil. Larry Tunsil. Yeah. And- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, you know, this is this is the price you pay for trying to move into the upper class really fast, which they've done. You know, I mean, they, they've got back-to-back really good seasons and they've beaten Alabama consecutive years. They had three guys go in the first round, which is unheard of for Ole Miss and, and you know, our lifetime at least. Um, but, you know, it, it invites, uh, you know, skepticism of how you've done it. And, and certainly there, there's some evidence out there that they haven't always done it 100% legit. But I'm sure if you ask the people in Oxford if they're happy with the teams that win uh, and, and if they care, uh, I'm sure yeah. they'll just take it. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I mean, this, you know... Last year was their was their third ten win season since Archie Manning, so they're they're not used to great success. I mean, it's <laughs> it's been a long time. I mean, that last year was the first time they won ten games in a season without a Manning at quarterback since you know 
1960 something, I think it was. So yeah, it's, it's been rough. Um, I mean, they've, they've not been a really good program for a while and they'll, they'll take it, you know, and, but this is the risk you take when you do that. Yeah. I, all of that said, I think that between the off field distractions over the summer and, and the fact that this game's being played four and a half hours from Tallahassee and yeah. States away from Oxford, yeah, I think this is a Florida State win. I do too. I, I think Florida State is is one of those teams that if they were in a, I mean, if they were in a different conference or even a different division from Clemson and Louisville, I'd have them in the playoff. I just think their road is tough because they have to go to Louisville and then they play Clemson later. And I think Clemson is maybe the best team in the country, and and so it's tough for me to pick them just by the nature of their conference, but. I think they're really, really good, and I think this will be a statement win for them. And then it goes into two weeks when they play at Louisville. And, we'll, you know, if they get that win, then it opens things up for them. If they get this win, it looks really good for the ACC compared to the it SEC. It does. It does, yeah. I mean, a lot of, of uh, ACC-SEC showdowns we just discussed. I mean, Georgia-Carolina, Auburn-Clemson, Florida State-Ole Miss. I mean, those are going to be very interesting to see how they all shake out. Well, and I've got the ACC sweeping those three. Yeah, I've got two out of three, I guess. I had Georgia. But, again, I, I find that the toughest one to pick. That, that to me, is as 50-50 as it gets. Well, Matt, if we had sponsors, now would be when we'd have a commercial break, but we don't. <laughs> so okay. let's just so – we'll transition. Yeah, so we're just going to jump right into the NAU preview. Now, we talked a little bit about NAU during our ASU breakdown for the season, but – just as a quick refresher, the Lumberjacks are the number 18 team preseason in the FCS. Case Cookis, what, their quarterback, won the Jerry Rice Award last year in the football championship subdivision, yeah. which is for the best freshman in the FCS. And in case you didn't know, the 2011 winner is current NFL running back Terrence West. So is it's, it? Okay. It, it's, it's not an award that they just hand out. It's, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, speaks highly of him. I think where I want to start, though, before we talk about the the quarterback versus our secondary, is the Lumberjacks are returning four starting offensive linemen compared to our one, right. and, and two of those guys are preseason all-conference players in the big sky. I think that's going to be a good test for ASU's front seven. Yeah, agreed. I mean, this, this is, it's, not a, it's not a cakewalk game. I mean, it, it's a game that, that ASU should win simply by the numbers. I mean, you, you know, you get into the depth of the game um and and you know you're talking about the difference in 85 scholarships compared to i think it's 60 that should you know that should weigh in you've got more depth um you can withstand an in-game injury here or there but but yeah i mean this is this is not an easy test it's i don't believe i I think i said this a few weeks ago when we talked i mean we've had some games in the last few years you know it's you know 63 to 6 or something like that I don't think it's going to be that. I mean, this this is a game that we're probably going to have to play into the fourth quarter to make sure we put it away. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how the front seven looks. I want to see what we do at the linebacking core. Are, are the Sun Devils able to get Salamo Fizo, Christian Sam, and DJ Calhoun all on the field at the same time for an extended amount of time? Yeah, and it sounds like they want to. I mean, reading reading you know what what Doug Haller's been saying that you know those are the three best guys and. Even though it seems like there's some some positional duplication, I guess they they want to try to get them on the field, and I think that's that's the way it should be. I mean, you want your best guys out there 
regardless of the position. You know, it's cliche, but you want your best 11. You find a way to get them out there. Absolutely. I, I am also curious about what the front four looks like or front three and a half, mm-hmm. depending on what the devil yeah. backer position is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as always with, with Graham teams, there's moving parts, and you never really settle in. I mean, we're, we're probably going to be having the same conversation in, in week 11 and 12 because uh, he's constantly tweaking and moving guys around, and, it, you know, it, it doesn't ever usually settle into, okay, this is your starting 11. They all play in these spots, and you kind of just rely on it. Not, not usually the case. I will say the hype machine has really gotten behind JoJo Wicker yes, from ASU. Yeah, and, yeah. And this is the sort of game where, show me. I, he showed great flashes last year. He's apparently had nothing but a tremendous camp. Yeah. You're playing NAU. They're returning a bunch of starters, but they're a Division One AA school. Sure, sure. Beat them. Make plays. Yeah. Get in the yeah, backfield. I mean, be disruptive. Yeah, I mean, and, and you hope to see that consistently all year. I mean, he's he's gotten the Will Sutton comparisons, and, uh, you know, I remember how, how disruptive Sutton was week to week in 2012. Um, you know, it seemed like every game he was he was a force, and that would be, you know, the, the high end for him is something like that where every week he's he's getting, you know, four or five tackles for loss, and, you know, he's, he's in there on the quarterback, and I don't, I don't know what number of sacks – to project, but, you know, hopefully in the area of eight to 10, at least, and, and a fair amount of just pressures causing mistakes, things like that. You know, you, you want him to be the dominant force and, and that opens things up for everybody else. And again, you know, we haven't talked about it this time, but we have before secondary is a huge question. So the more you can rush the passer, that's going to help that, that back end because it needs all the help it can get. Well, let's go to the secondary ASU released their depth chart for the game and there's a lot of or which was on the espn.com uh comment for all of the pac-12 there's a lot of depth chart positions listed (laughs) as player a or player b that's right that's right yeah yeah but one of those that jumped out at me was at field corner you had gump hayes or graduate transfer bryce neckles from texas yeah and considering how much we've heard in the camp about Gump Hayes as a starter. Gump Hayes has really yeah. figured it out. He hasn't played corner since high school, but don't worry about it. I was surprised that Bryce Nichols was there, but optimistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like that's kind of just developed in the last maybe week or 10 days that that he's kind of moved on to the radar as a potential starter or at least playing a lot. Um, and, and, you know, you do hope for that, obviously, whenever you get a grad transfer. I mean, it's, it's – uh, it's a short-term experiment. You don't have you don't have three or four years to bring him along. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hayes is interesting uh, because of the speed, and and you know you hear a lot of good things, but you do certainly wonder about technique and those type of things. I mean, how he's never played corner, um, and so you know you just you have to figure veteran receivers are going to be able to take advantage of him. And so it's, you know, it's nice to have another option there because if that experiment fails, and it could, you know, you want somebody you can rely on a little bit. Thinking about this, Gump Hayes hasn't played corner since high school. He's a, yeah. he's a senior. Yeah. And then yeah. behind him in the secondary is Chase Lucas, who's a true freshman who didn't play corner didn't in play high school. corner in high school, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we, we have a lot of, of raw talent there, and, 
you know, raw talent can be really good, but again, you know, an NAU shouldn't be the toughest test of it, but you're going to you're going to face some very soon when you start playing Texas Tech and Cal and USC and you know, you're playing good offenses with good receivers. USC certainly comes to mind when you're thinking that. And, you know, those guys are are savvy. I mean, you're not playing a 10-year NFL vet, but nonetheless, they're going to take advantage of guys who who don't know technique and don't know how to play the ball and things like that, that that are going to pop up, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely an opportunity for the Devils to get their sea legs under them because yeah. it, if they struggle here, who knows what's going to happen when they play yeah. that air raid offense next week. Right, right, right. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, there's there's not much time to figure out the kinks because, you know, you, you play Texas Tech and then two weeks after that is Cal. Don't think Cal's great, but you know they can throw it. Um, then USC, then UCLA, Washington State, you know, I mean, it, it just, it lines up week after week after week after week, it seems like, of really good passing offenses, and that was our Achilles heel last year, and, you know, teams are going to find out if it still is. They're, they're going to test us, and they should. Uh, you know, you, you've got you to see if that weakness is still there. One thing that we've talked about at length is veteran quarterbacks, who've yeah. had a chance to see ASU or who have been around a while ha- have at least in the past been able to figure out the blitzing attacking scheme uh-huh. that ASU likes to run. I'm curious to see how that translates with a uh, highly touted one double a quarterback because yeah. Co- yeah. Know. I mean, you would, you would hope, I guess that the, that the speed and the size and the athleticism will be enough to throw him off. I mean, he's, he's only a, it's his second year starting. You're not, you're not talking about a, a fourth-year guy, um, and again, just a different level of competition. It is it is tough. I mean, it, the game is just faster, and uh, you know, so you'd, you'd hope that's the difference. Um, because, like you said, you know, if, if he has a lot of success against us, you know, it, it scares you what Patrick Mahomes and Davis Webb and the like can do going forward. Yeah, uh, on the other side of the ball, it's going to be. Presumably, the coronation of Manny Wilkins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just like I said about Charlie Strong being being very mysterious when it seems like everybody knows the answer already. Um, but you know, that's the route they're choosing to go. Uh, doesn't surprise me, I guess. You know, it's kind of goes along with what we expected. I think. I think probably you know seven months ago we talked about this, and I think we said there's a pretty good chance we'll go into Week One still not knowing for sure who's going to be the starting quarterback and, and we don't, but it sure seems like it's Manny. And, um, you know, from, from what you hear, he's the guy who kind of took ownership of the race pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does. I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing. We haven't seen much of him. I think he's played maybe a total of 15 snaps, something like that in his career, a few running plays and that's it. You know, we haven't, we haven't seen him throw the ball unless you've watched pregame warmups. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as they get going, um, can he, can he do it? Is he up to the job? Will they play Brady white? Some being mysterious about that too. So a lot of questions, same questions we've had for eight months now. At this point, if Brady white comes out and takes the first snap, I'll be stunned. I think, yeah. I mean, I think you can pretty well bank on Wilkins being the starter. It, it, I guess what's interesting to me is, will they mix in white, you know, I guess conventionally you think it's it's a little harder to mix in a passer than mix in a runner, uh, and and maybe that's just 
I, I could be misguided in saying that, but you know, if you bring in, we saw it a little bit last year with Wilkins, you'd bring him in for running situations, hand the ball off, you know, keep it, something like that. It, you know, if you bring in White, you got to give him a chance to get a rhythm. You know, you're not going to bring him in to throw one pass and then take him back out, I don't think. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where when you bring in the run first corner, quarterback, you're not necessarily telegraphing that it must be a run, but it feels like when you bring in the pass first quarterback, you're sort yeah. of telegraphing that we're going to have to throw the ball. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and, and I really do think, I mean, it's just it's a matter of getting into the flow of the game. It's, I mean, watch the NFL preseason. And I, I hate how, you know, quarterbacks get evaluated after like two drives because that's not enough time to get a rhythm. I mean, you know, every quarterback has a drive or two in a game where they struggle. But if they play the whole game, you know, generally, then you can evaluate them. But, you know, a guy plays two or three series and, oh, well, this guy struggled. He was, you know, three for seven. Well, that, you know, lots of guys start out three for seven. And maybe they finish the game 22 for 33 and it's a good game. Yeah, it's small sample size theater when you do that. It is, it is, and, and so that's the that's the interesting thing. I don't expect that they'll do that. I, I think Wilkins will be the guy. I think Graham has, has made enough allusions to the fact that he wants a quarterback to take over that I think Wilkins will be the guy to begin with this season. You'll see White if we get a lead, and and we you know if we go to the fourth quarter by you know up by twenty plus, I think you'll see White, and you should. Because um, you got to get him ready just in case, um, and then you know the battle will continue. Does does Wilkins take ownership of it, play well, and and you know have us forgetting about Brady White by October, or if he struggles, you know then maybe you you go to the backup option, you know, in sometime in October and see what he can do. Yeah, something that was unfortunate about last season was they just weren't able, either by choice or by game circumstance, they weren't able to get Manny Wilkins reps. And no, if you're burning no, a guy's it, year, it makes sense to let him get some reps. So yeah. hopefully, you know, hopefully against NAU, Brady White will get some action because we should beat NAU. Right, right. And, and you're right. I mean, exactly. that. We didn't have the opportunities, and that was a red flag as you look back at it. But, you know, game two and three, we played New Mexico and Cal Poly. Those should have been games we had opportunities to get Manny Wilkins in and let him get some throws and get some, you know, some reps we didn't get that chance because those were closer games than they should have been. Um, and so, yeah, this this would be nice to get that and, and the same hopefully for San Antonio in a couple weeks that, you know, you can get both quarterbacks sometime and, and you know, know that if you have to go to Brady White or you want to go to Brady White either way, that it's not going to be the first time he's played. You know, you'd like to see him get some action, even if it's inconsequential action, just get, get in there. Yeah, let the speed be a little faster than high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, again, I mean, you'd love it if Manny Wilkins plays well and takes this job over, and by week five or six, when you come down here for UCLA, we're not talking about Brady White. That'd be great. You know, that means he's playing well, and, and we're moving forward with this guy. But you have to be prepared that that may not be the case. Absolutely. Speaking of guys who are going to be making their debuts, I am incredibly excited to see Enkeel Harry. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like uh, the vibe around him has shifted a lot in the last couple weeks. It, it seems you know? like it seems like they've let him out. And, yeah. you know, there's yeah. the what Doug Haller referred to in his podcast as the N. Kiel Harry rule that all of a sudden <laughs> freshmen aren't allowed to give interviews unless their position coach OKs it. <laughs> But, right, right. But it seems like all of a sudden they let him out, and the Republic did the full page 
yeah. big photo. He, it's the local boy made good, and ASU's yeah. using that. I saw on Twitter, ASU's using that as marketing for the uh, the Stay True campaign for the local kids to come to ASU. That's right. I mean, it's it's DJ Foster all over again, basically. You know, you want that star and that local kid to to hype up. Yeah, and and this will be a good test. You know, let him get his feet wet against NAU, but. I hope that we see him out there for 40 plays and that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I mean, and, and it sounds like that's the way it's headed. I mean, uh, you know, from early in camp where you were kind of kind of had the sneaking feeling that he wasn't doing what they wanted. And, you know, even I mean, Haller was even suggesting, you know, will he play this year? And I'm thinking, boy, or, uh, you know, that's kind of disappointing if that's the question. But, you know, maybe it's just a matter of, of giving him the time to figure things out. And they did. And. Um, it does seem like the vibe around the coaches has shifted from, hey, we got to break this freshman in and tell him how we do things to, all right, now he knows how we do things and we're pretty happy with him. Yeah, they've, they've let the hype come back because yeah. one thing that happened was it almost felt like are we, were we duped into believing yeah. this guy was going to be the next big thing? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's still possible that we were, admittedly, but... But I, I definitely, you know, had that fear a little bit the first couple of weeks of camp that we weren't hearing a lot of great things about him. And and the things you did hear were sort of couched in, well, yeah, maybe, but, you know, and it just it didn't feel great. And and I did have the feeling like, boy, is, is he not up to this? Is he, you know, is he going to be, I mean, I certainly don't want to, you know, think he was going to be a bust based on a week of practice, but you know, did have high expectations for him and still do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to see that the vibe, like I said, seems to have changed around him. And, you know, now he's, he's on that depth chart as an, or starter, one of those many ones. Um, and it, that's, you know, that's indicative to me that he's going to play a lot and get a chance and, and I'll hopefully figure things out quickly. Cause you know, beyond the, the Tim white, there's a lot of question marks at receiver. A lot of possibilities, too, but a lot of question marks. So it sure would be nice if he steps forward quickly. I mean, if, if he meets expectations, which are very high, and, yeah. and Cameron Smith comes back and White can match last year's productivity, that's a good starting three in front of a pretty solid second tier with Harvey yeah. and Jefferson and Gamage. Yeah, and, and potentially Kyle Williams if they're going to play him, too, this, you know, a true freshman. So... Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's there's possibilities there, but there's a lot of uncertainty. There's not a lot of, you know, proven talent back at that spot. And so, you know, it it would be nice if this kid really, you know, looks looks the part of the number one receiver in the country. And the last thing that we're going to get to see is what a Chip Lindsey offense looks like when he has more than two weeks with the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited and you know, going forward, obviously, we'll hopefully get even better feeling. But, I mean, that's that's the uncertainty, but it's also the exciting part is, you know, now now we can kind of figure this out. I mean, we've been doing a lot of projecting, a lot of thinking about what this offense has looked like in the past. And I don't think it's going to look radically different. I mean, they're not going to come out and run the triple option. But, you know, there's going to be differences, and, and that's probably good because the offense got a little stale last year. You've heard that comment from some of the players. I noticed that in the Demario Richard Kalen Balaj story that they didn't seem to be too fond of the way Norvell used the running backs or the running back coach used the running backs. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's good. Get some fresh blood and 
and kind of spice things up a little bit again. I expect to see a very vanilla game plan and hopefully not having to get out of it, but I hope that at least in the first quarter, first half, we see what kind of balance he wants to use, Yeah. how the distribution of the workload is between Balaj and Richard, what he does to work in Nick Ralston, yeah. and things yeah. like that. And, yeah. and, and, and you'll get a sense of what his receiver rotation looks like, how quickly does he pull guys off the field. Right, exactly. And, and this, you know, uh, you, we have joked about it, but, you know, again, we've heard they want to do a lot of this quick passing game. Well, uh, you know, I'm curious to see, does that come to fruition? Does it work? Because it didn't last year. We heard that a lot leading into last season. It did not happen. And, and so, you know, I'm very curious, will they, you know, can they make that work with a lot of the, you know, the quicker routes and stuff like that, get the ball out, you know, take some pressure off your quarterback and your offensive line. Certainly you would think that with White, uh, a healthy Cam Smith, that the speed will be there, that if they want to do the quick passing game, you could still break some plays, especially yeah. against an yeah. NAU secondary who, like you said, not as many scholarship guys, not right. going against players who are as big as physical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that should be the difference. And, you know, uh, you, you hope it's the difference. I mean, there's there's plenty of examples recently of, of FCS teams beating FBS teams and so you can't just take it for granted, but you do hope that just numbers and size and speed and all those things will, will be the difference in the game. So with that uh, somewhat negative ending on the potential of an FCS team winning, <laughs> I think it's time to make our picks. All right. For me, I said it during our breakdown of the game, and I'm sticking yeah. with it. I think ASU, something in the neighborhood of 38-14, I think that – They'll be comfortable early. I think NAU is not going to bench their starters when we go to the second team. And right. if we're playing a second team secondary that you know needs to work and needs to gel, I wouldn't be surprised if Cookis gets a couple touchdowns. But yeah. but I think that this is our game to sort of control from start to finish. I hope so. I I, I just I have a, a fear in some ways that it's going to be competitive at halftime uh maybe within a score um but I, I i do think the numbers game will come into play as as the game wears along I, I feel like it's uh similar i think several years back when we were in college we played a game with them where we were tied going to the fourth quarter ended up winning by i think three touchdowns i think something like that I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 38 21 but it wouldn't surprise me if it was 24 21 at some point and then we kind of start to pull away so our final scores look the same, but how we get there looks a lot different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's still much hotter in Tempe than Flagstaff. So true. You would true. hope I mean, by you, the fourth quarter the just you but, start to wear them down. Yeah, yeah. So before we go, on ESPN last weekend was Pinnacle and Basha, which featured ASU commit Ryan Kelly and and Basha, who's now zero and two. Yeah. Uh, dropping the game in a really competitive game against Pinnacle, 49-41. Yeah. Kelly threw for 317 yards. He had a touchdown. He, he looked the part, but his, his team, he got knocked around. That, that offensive line looks a little rough. For me, though, and I think for you too, Matt, the story was Spencer Rattler, the sophomore quarterback at Pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I mean, yeah, I, I – what you said about Kelly is exactly what I was going to say. He looked the part. He looked 
physically like a college quarterback. You know, you watch guys sometimes, and sometimes you turn on those games and you think, boy, that kid looks really young. And, and uh, you know, for a senior, you want him to look physically like he's ready to go play in college, and he did. And he, he threw it well, and he, he showed good mobility, and the 81-yard touchdown run, you know, wasn't on live because it was delayed, but saw the replay of it. I mean, he's, he's got – He's got the skills necessary to work in this offense. But, yeah, Rattler was, was fun to watch, man. I, it was the first time I'd seen him. And, you know, you, you had a little uh, Manziel, Russell Wilson feel to his game or just that running around, flinging the ball. Uh, you know, I mean, he's rough around the edges, but he's only a sophomore. You certainly, God, you got to love the talent that he had. Well, there was a play that he had once the game came on ESPN where he yeah. he rolled right looked like he was heading towards the sidelines, all of a sudden sort of, you know, dug his right foot into the ground and did sort of a hop throw and, yeah. and put the ball about 40 yards in the air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that arm strength, again, it, it, you know, and again, I, I, I joked with you about Ryan Kelly and the comparisons they made with him, and I don't, I don't want to say the kid is Russell Wilson, but it was a play like that where you, you see him on the run, he's running full speed, and then he just flips the ball out there 40 or 50 yards. And I mean, that's it's special talent. Now, you know, again, does he have a lot of work to do? Sure. I mean, he's got it. He's got to grow. He's, he's, you know, I think they list him at six one. He didn't even look six one, but he's only a sophomore. So if he, if he grows and he gets a little bigger and stronger, man, you, you gotta love the potential because geez, the, the talent's certainly there. Now there's a long way from having talent as a sophomore to being good in college. Um, a lot of obstacles in the way, but geez, he has the first step. I mean, it's one of those things where you see the tools, you don't know how he's going to grow, and it makes you sort of appreciate how hard it must be to be a recruiting coordinator <laughs> in college. Because yeah, I, I watched you know two thirds of a game, and I'm ready to offer him a scholarship right now. Oh, without a <laughs> doubt. I mean, watching him, you know, and and thinking of of how he would fit into uh, our offense. It's exciting. I mean, you know, it's three years down the road at least before he'd be playing for us or any college. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just you watch him throw and run and the, the arm strength and the elusiveness. And, yeah, he, you can't help but, you know, have your mouth watering a little bit. It'd be an exciting thing if they could do it. The, the push to stay true and stay in Arizona would have to reach him. And like you said, the physical tools seem to be there, but you got to see how he matures. Sure, sure. You know, but yeah, I mean, you, ideally, um, we were watching the next two ASU quarterbacks in that game. I mean, that, that would be the ideal, you know, end to this story as we look back in five or six years and we say, remember when those two guys played each other and they put on that show and it was a down to the last score and, you know, Kelly comes in and hopefully is great. And Rattler takes over for him. That'd be great. Agreed. That's going to do it for this round. We're going to start doing, I think, our regular routine, which will be breaking down the game that was and looking ahead at the game coming up, as well as just sort of bouncing around college football. Yes, sir. But for now, go watch Blazing Saddles. I'm Ben. He's Matt. (laughs) This is the Ben and Matt Sportscast.